0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome uh, to Ridgeview Church. My name's Alex. I'm the pastor here, and uh, we are so glad that you're here to, to worship with us. Uh, today, uh, I'm speaking on a topic uh, that I hope will be a help to you no matter where you are uh, in your life and in your relationship uh, to God or with God. Uh, you may be investigating what it means to follow God. You may be a follower of Christ for a long time, uh, but we hit seasons in life where we all can relate to the same thing, and it's, it's when we're waiting on God to do something. And uh, in those times when we're waiting, uh, life can seem very dark. It can seem overwhelming. It can seem like we just don't know how to move forward. And so today, today's message is this idea of how do we find hope in the dark? And specifically, how do we find hope in the dark when we're, we're waiting for something to change? We're waiting for something to happen that has not yet happened. And uh, as you walked in, you'll see uh, you've got this program, and there's an image on the front, which I'm going to be speaking uh, related to today. And then inside, if you want to open that, uh, there's a a listening guide. And this is just our way of providing you with kind of the outline of what I'm going to be speaking on, but also just as a way for you to take notes. Uh, Sometimes God wants to speak to you, and he does that on a Sunday morning. And so we've given you a pen. And if you just sense there's something you need to do or there's something that just kind of hits you, then then you can write that down. Uh, We also have this on the screen, as you can see, if you just want to listen, whatever is is best uh, for you. But we have the scriptures on there as well on the handout, so you can kind of take this with you. And so I hope today I will provide you uh, some comfort with some things that you may be be struggling with, and this idea of waiting for God to come through when it's not yet happened. And I want to just tell you a little bit about my life and kind of I guess the situation in which I found myself waiting on God for many years. My parents got divorced when I was four years old. And many people I speak to come from broken families. And if they're not in a broken family themselves, they're related to people or know people close to them that are from a broken family. And so that's that's part of kind of the norm. Many families, um, they get married with maybe the best intentions, but, but things don't work out. And I was the product of that at a young age and at the age of four. The last memory I have of my dad was him uh, walking uh, down the staircase with his toothbrush and his toothpaste. And at four, you know, I'm still learning, but I knew, like, you only take your toothbrush and toothpaste when you're going somewhere. So I asked my dad, like, Dad, where are you going? And he says, "I'm, I'm going out. And that was the last time that I remember my dad being in my house. And at that moment, I never knew that that was like goodbye. I was just four. I didn't quite understand, but I knew he was going out. Come to find out, he went out and he, he never came back. And so my mom remarried and actually married a godly man who really kind of became a father figure to me, uh, taught me what it means to, to be a man and taught me what it means to treat people rightly. And so I'm very grateful for him and the investment that he made. But for many years after my dad left, and if you've experienced this or you've kind of had just somebody leave your life, uh, there's a lots of questions as to, to why, that, why that happened. So for many years, I wondered, why why would he leave? What was the reasons? And as a kid, sometimes you can take that upon yourself to try to figure out what was it about you or what was it about the situation. And for many years, I wrestled with that. And at the age of 16, I realized that I had a lot of questions, but I I hadn't really taken the step uh, to forgive my dad for what had happened. And I was at this camp, and this person was talking, and he was talking about this, this period of life when you've not forgiven people. It's like walking in your shoe and, and there's like a rock in your shoe and you're walking and you keep stepping on this rock and it's very uncomfortable and it's inhibiting your ability to move forward, but, but you get used to it. It's just that, that pain there. And you just get used to it. And what I realized with my dad was that I'd never forgiven him. And so 12 years later, after I was four at 16, I decided it was time to forgive my dad. So I wrote him a letter. This was in the nineties. There's no email. Like I had to old school. I wrote a letter pigeon came by, grabbed it, and flew it. <laughs> Just kidding. We had, the, the post office was around, but I sent this letter, and it was like, you know, Dad, I don't know which, why you left, and all the, the issues, all the things I don't know, but, but I forgive you. And at that moment, I removed the rock from my shoe. But there was still a long time where I wondered, uh, where's he at in this whole situation? You know, things that are out of my control, I, I don't know him or his mind or anything that related to him, but, but what, what does he think about this? And so for years and years, I, I settled that before God. And Then when I was 32 years old, 16 years later, after I'd written that letter to him, uh, my mom texted me and said, your, your father, and then, you know, sometimes when you're from a broken family, you're like, which father? Luke. No, not that father, but, you know, I was trying to figure out which, well, your, your biological father wants to, to contact you. Is that okay? And I, you know, sure, and I had no idea. At the age of 32, 16 years after I'd taken the rock out of my shoe, forgiven him, uh, he called and, and asked forgiveness. 16 years. And it was just out of the blue. I was driving along. And I talked to my dad, and it was weird. It's like I was talking to somebody who was my dad, and he was a stranger to me. I didn't recognize his voice. But at the same time, I thought he kind of sounded like me, and it was kind of weird. Because I didn't know him, but he was my dad. And you're having this moment, and it was very short. And he just says, I just want to ask for your forgiveness. And I just said, you know, before God, I don't hold anything against you. It wasn't time for me to ask questions. It wasn't time for me to rehearse the previous years of my life. But it was just an act of him asking and me extending and me forgiving him. And that was the last time I've talked to him. And that was about seven years ago wasn't the beginning of a new relationship. wasn't the beginning of this new journey. It was literally 16 years after I'd forgiven him, he extended that to me. And it was settled. And I haven't talked to my dad since, and we don't really have a relationship, and, I, and I'm okay with that. But in those period of many years, there was a lot of waiting. There was a lot of wondering. There was a lot of questioning. And in those times, what tends to happen in life Our shoes fill with lots of rocks, lots of questions, lots of things that hurt us, lots of things that cause doubt. And you may be here today and and you have your own things. One of my favorite phrases, we're all messed up. Amen. We are all messed up. We're all broken people. And we're, you know, we're just messed up. We have our own issues, we have our own past, we have all of our things. But in the middle of this, God actually wants us to, to learn. And God wants us to, to make, you know, him just this something that can be discovered. He, he wants us to know him in the middle of, of these waiting times. And so for you, um, it could be some health issues that, that you've been waiting on God to, to, to solve for you, or it could be health issues of somebody that you love and you just, you ask that God will, will heal them or cure them or bring them peace. Uh, for you, it could be, like me, just a relationship which has been strained or there's conflict and, and you've been waiting on this resolution or restitution to happen. Or you're waiting for somebody to make something right that they've wronged you. Or you're waiting for God to make something right in which something's been, been wrong, um, conflict, health problems, job changes. You just want to get out of your current situation. You're just waiting on God for, to change. So today is, what do you do in those times? When you're in between, you're where you are, but it's not where you want to be. That's what today's about. How do we wait on God in the middle of that? So I I have my own things that I've dealt with and still deal with, and you have your own things that you deal with. And then I think as a a world and as a culture, we have those things as well. You know, you read in the news and the conflict and the shootings and the violence and the pain that people experience. You ever get to that point where you just, I don't want to look at the news anymore, right? Right? You don't want to look at the headlines on your phone because it's just negative and people hurting each other, biting at each other. There's a sense in which, like, love sometimes feels like it has left the world. And so we wait. We wait for things to change within us, around us, near us. The good news is, is, is what I faced and what you face, God, God actually, throughout history, has dealt with people that are waiting on him. And today, we're going to look at a Bible called Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. I say that because about tomorrow, you're going to say, what was that about? And you're going to be to Habakkuk, you won't remember. We don't see that name much, Habakkuk, but it, it was a minor prophet in the Old Testament. And most prophets, and this was normal in the time, most prophets would go to God and hear from God and, and give God's message on behalf of, of him to the people. So prophets would come and say, okay, God, what is it that you want to tell us? And prophets would come and They'd say, thus saith the Lord, this is what God says. And they would tell his people, turn back to me or do this or do that. And the people would hear the prophets and choose to respond in obedience or or rebellion. And this is most of what the Old Testament is, God speaking and people responding. Well, in Habakkuk, he's a minor prophet. He was about 600 years before Christ came. He was different. He actually talked to God on behalf of the people. He had some concerns. He had some complaints. And so in the book of Habakkuk, you find this prophet that comes and say, God, what gives? Why is the world like this? And he had this courage to approach God and and give his complaints to him. And I want to tell you today that that that's actually something that you can do. You can speak to God about the things that trouble you. You can tell God about the things that concern you, and he is God, you will not hurt his feelings. He is God, and he cares about your concerns. He cares about your complaints. Now, it's important what we do after that, but he's the God that that hears us, and we can come to him, and like Habakkuk, we can give our concerns. And so his people at the time were the people of Judah. They were blessed, and they were prosperous, but they had rebelled. Remember what I said about messed up people? They were messed up people too. They did their own thing on their own timing. And some of the blessing that they experienced was taken from them. Some of the the prosperous of their lives was, was taken, and they were experiencing uh, some suffering. And Habakkuk comes and is like, we, people against us, the Babylonians, they're coming, and, and they want to overtake us, and, and there's this corruption, I know, in our people, but, but God, please, you know, save us. Don't forget us. Look out for us. And so... In chapter 1 of Habakkuk, Habakkuk gives all of his complaints, and it's mostly about all these people that Habakkuk sees that are not doing right by God. And God says, I know that we've messed up, but don't forget these people have messed up more. You ever find yourself doing that in your life? God, I know I'm supposed to do this. God, I know you told me to do this, but don't forget them. Like God, don't, don't look at me. It's like deflecting because we we it's easier for us to look at others and what they should do than sometimes look at ourselves. And Habakkuk, on behalf of the people, was saying the same thing. And so in, in chapter one, Habakkuk gives his complaints. And he has probably a plan that he wants God to do. Like save them, bring them back to the blessing that they knew, prosper them. And and God answers. In the book of Habakkuk is when God answers and doesn't give you the response that you want. So Habakkuk is waiting and waiting and waiting. And God says, okay, I'm going to raise up your enemy to come against you. Wait, what? You ever, ever ask for something and then you want to undo it? Never mind. I didn't mean that. Never mind. Like, God, we'll just stay to ourselves. You do your thing. I'll do mine. God's like, no, no, I, 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 I'm going to raise up your enemy the people that are worse than you the babylonians they're going to issue judgment upon you and habakkuk's like that that doesn't that doesn't make sense that's not going to work that's not what i've wanted i don't think you've heard what i'm asking you ever felt like that like god i know you hear me but your language and mine is a little different and so in chapter 2 Habakkuk gets to the point where he's, he's given his complaints. He's given all the things that he needs God to come through in. And he knows God, part of his plan is to do something he does not want, just to raise up their enemy. But Habakkuk gets to this good place that is instructive for us today. When we have all these things that we're waiting on, when we want all these things to change, when we're at this in-between time, he did three things. And here, here's the first thing. This is what God wants us to do in our own waiting. In our times of waiting and when we're hurting, when we're wondering, we don't know what to do, here's the first thing. We need to listen. We need to listen. How many of you could admit that you are not a good listener? For those of you that didn't hear me, how many of you can admit, <laughs> you're like, what? Why are people raising their hand? Right? It... it I'm not the greatest listener. I get distracted very easily. I'm also the person that sometimes, as people are talking, their voice just has this way of being the cogs in the system of all that I need to do, and I'm not thinking of anything that they're saying, but all that I need to do, and this conversation's over. That never happens here <laughs> or with anyone I know. But, right, you ever done that with like people are talking like, yeah, and they're like, really? You think that? Oh, no. I've just agreed, but I don't know what they've said. You ever have those moments? That's the worst. Like, really? You're like, yeah. Whoa, that's awesome. Oh, my goodness. What did I just commit to? Sometimes it's hard to listen. But Habakkuk one, this is what he says. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me, that he is God, what God will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. I've given my complaint to him. And he's saying, I'm gonna put myself in this position on this watch post, on this tower. It's this idea of I'm gonna take away all the distractions that would prevent me from hearing what God wants to say. And I'm gonna position myself so I can hear from him. So chapter one, here's my concerns. Chapter two, I'm listening. Tell me what's next. Now, here's the thing. This is counterintuitive. It's hard enough to listen in a normal day. What's very hard to listen is when you are desperate for things to change. Because listening seems passive. Listening seems like inaction. Listening seems like you're not doing anything that's gonna actually solve your problem. But Habakkuk says like, I've given my, my concerns. I've given my complaints. What else can I do? I, I will listen. Here, here's what I like to do when I'm in my waiting periods, when I'm in that wondering. I run what-if scenarios. You guys do that? Well, if he doesn't answer, this is what I'm going to do. Or if this doesn't change, this is what I'm going to do. And then they're going to do that. And then I'm going to do that because they did that. And before you know it, I have this alternate reality Of all the what-ifs that have never happened, but if they do happen, I'm going to be able to play that scenario because if that scenario happens, I need to be in action. You guys ever done that? And that's when people are talking to you. That's when you're thinking it. All of a sudden, there's this reality of the matrix that you've figured out. But he, Habakkuk's saying, I'm not going to run the what-ifs. Here's the other thing that that we tend to do. Not only do we run all the what if scenarios, but when... When we're waiting on God, when we want answers, um, we, we want to give direction instead of get direction. Like we have a plan for God's life. Doesn't that just sound funny to say? Okay, God, Monday, you need to wake up. You need to look at me first. And just answer all that I'm asking you about. The scriptures, you know, continually remind us that God is, he's bigger than we are. He's greater than we are. He's stronger than we are. In fact, he tells us his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. He declares that to us. But usually we want to give direction instead of get direction, especially when we're waiting. And then the third thing I think that we tend to do instead of listening. I'm going to get an answer wherever I can. Now, you can decide if you want to raise your hand or not, but have you ever Googled a major life choice? (laughs) Some of you, should I move? What's it going to say? But isn't that like we live in this Google world where everything's immediate, and it even tells you the amount of seconds, like 0.2 seconds, giving you... 2.7 2.7 million options. And so we we don't like to wait and we don't like to listen because we live in this world of immediate immediate immediate. My phone right now is on slower. I don't know if you get capped slower data. It's it's awful. I mean it's like I'm I'm not living in the United States. I search for something and it's like what are you And you just keep walking, and you're just, and I'm slowed down. can't slow me down. I need answers. And so we live in this time where we're just, we're so far removed from patience and waiting that we don't know what to do. And so we look for answers. So oftentimes we ask God, we don't hear from God. Well, God didn't answer. Maybe maybe he wants to speak to me from my friend. And then your friend tells you something, you're like, well, that wasn't the answer I want oh, it's the other friend, and you just line up all the options for people to give you the answer that you want. That actually really happens, and you've probably done it, because I have. You're wanting an answer, and then you go talk to the person who you think will give it to you. Habakkuk didn't do that. He listened. He didn't run the what-ifs. He didn't give the direction. He got the direction, and then he didn't look for answers wherever he could get it. He, he listened Here's how God wants to speak to you primarily. It's not through Google. It's through his word. If you want to hear from God, you need to open the Bible and he'll speak to you. Now, he speaks through other people as well. But the only way you know if God is speaking through other people is if it matches what his Bible already tells you. He will not contradict himself. He speaks through circumstances as well. But the only way, if you know he's speaking through those circumstances, is if it aligns with what he's told you in the Bible. So if you want to listen to God, Habakkuk literally was listening to him as a prophet. For us, we listen to him as we open the Bible, and he instructs us. He counsels us. He gives us direction. Give gives us a lamp. It lights our way. The light does not turn on unless the Bible is open. Now, I even say this. You don't even have to open it. This. this is paper. That's a paper Bible. Anybody have one of those today? Okay, there's like four or five of you, right? I don't know why I'm keeping doing this, but it just feels good. This is a paper Bible. Back here at the table, we have Bibles for you. If you don't have a Bible... Pick one of those Bibles up on your way out. If you want God to speak to you, here's some some suggestions. Uh, start in the New Testament. If you're not sure where the New Testament is, I'll give you some specific books you can read. Read the book of John. If you're not sure where John is, go to the table of contents and look at John. And it'll give you a page number. And you go to there. You start reading it. Or you go to Luke. Again, you just look for that book that says Luke, and you go to the page number. You could read Philippians. These are all in the New Testament. See what happens. You may have some concerns. You could read about Jesus' life. See what God did through him. See the reason he came and how he wants to speak to you through that. Then you could read the Philippians of early Christians trying to walk with God, and God could speak to you from that. These are all in the New Testament. If you're not sure how to start, you can see me or or other people from Ridgeview, and and we will help you. You can read the, the the Old Testament, and if you go to the middle of the Bible, it's like right in the middle, and it's the book of Psalms. And if you want to know how God speaks to you, you can actually read primarily about his word in Psalm 119. It's like the longest chapter. It's so insightful about what his word does. So if you're just unsure how he wants to speak to you, let the word of God describe what will happen. Now, for all of you who are like, paper, you can on your phone get the Bible app by version, And you can go to the app store and you can download it right now. You can download it right now and I won't even tell anyone. You could do it right now as I'm speaking. Just don't go to the game that's next to it, right? Like, you, As soon as you open the phone, it's like, whoa, my email's my check I've been there. So that's the only problem. Sometimes on your phone, it's, it's the portal to everything else. But on the Bible app, there's lots of plans where you can read, and we could show you how to do that as well. So God speaks to us primarily through the Scriptures. If you're waiting and you're wondering and you're in the dark, First step is get into the Bible for yourself. And like Habakkuk, tell God what it is that you need. Tell God what it is that you're wondering about. Tell God the answers that you're seeking. He will hear you, and I believe he, he will speak to you. So the next lesson that we can learn is, is we go from listening to, to writing. So once you're wondering and you're waiting and you're in the dark, God will speak to you. And as he speaks to you, you actually want to write it down. Now, the green Ridgeview pen, how many of you have like 17 of those? Right? That's fine. That's why we have them. But part of the reason we have that is, is for you to write because there's something that happens. When you hear something, after 72 hours, studies have said you lose 95% of what you hear. That's like the most depressing stat for a pastor. So what is that, Wednesday? Wednesday? Like, what? Hoping the what? How about, what was that guy's name? I don't remember. Me neither. See you next week. I don't know why I have a southern accent when I said that, but <laughs> interesting. But isn't that one of the most depressing? You just, we just lose it. We lose it. 72 hours. It's gone. Maybe one thing will stick. But after 72 hours, it's gone. The way you increase retention is you actually... Write things down. There's even studies that have shown if you want to increase the retention of even the things that you write, you write it on a piece of paper. There it goes again. Dude, This is like old. We're going back to the 80s here at Ridgeview. Not really. Don't get, calm down, everybody. Okay, we're, still bring your phones. They're welcome here. But if you write something down on a piece of paper, there's something about it that it records in your mind differently than even if you type it on a document. There's just studies about the kinesthetics of this pen and the page and you writing it and you seeing it and what it does in your brain. You tend to remember it. And this is what Habakkuk is saying is, I have used so much energy to tell God what I need him to do. And then I'm waiting for him to speak. And then I'm, I'm ready for when he speaks. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write it down. And this is what he says in the next verse, Habakkuk 2.2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, on your iPad. You just write that on your tablet. Actually, this was like a stone tablet. But you could write it on your tablet, you know, your iPad, whatever you got. But the idea is you, you record it in a way that you're going to remember what, what God says. And so as you listen to God by opening the word of God First thing you can do is, is if you're in a, in a paper Bible, like you could even underline something that speaks to you. Even that helps you retain it more than if you it's just a blank page. Or highlight it. Or next to the Bible, you can write in your Bible, write a note, star it. This, me, I need to do this. Wow. You guys take notes like that? I've done every single one of those, this. But just write something that just connects this insight or this truth that that you just sense God God speaks to you. This happened to me last week. Last week, I had this planning retreat by myself, and I got away to just ask God, God, what is it that we need to do to move Ridgeview forward this next year? We launched one year ago, and we're on year two. And one of the things that I just got the sense is we, we need to move as a church from startup, you know, from your startup mode to being strategic. How do we be strategic with the people God has given us? How do we be strategic with the resources God has given us? How do we be strategic and right where He's placed us? So we're moving from this startup, which is like, figure it out, it's survival. So it goes on in my head most of the time this last year. To now, like, how do we align ourselves to be strategic? And I was just praying and asking, God, help me just to know. That, the next steps to take and and to to move forward. And so I was asking him, and I began praying before I left, and then I was praying during, just asking God to show me, what is it that that you need me to do? How do you want me to lead this church forward? And God answered me. He gave me, again, something from his word. It's Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, and I I don't have it on here. But the summary is, it says God gave people in the church... Pastors and shepherds and apostles and elders and teachers. He gave these people in the church, and their focus is to equip those in the body, in the the church, to do the work of the ministry. So I ask God, God, lead me and guide me. Lead me into the way that you want me to go. And he gave me that verse. What he wants me to do is he wants me to equip people so they can do the work of the ministry. And that's the role as a pastor. My job is to set the table, to get things set up so the people of God can come and sit down and delight in the ministry that needs to be done. But for ministry to be done, it needs to be organized. It needs to be administered. It needs to be worked through leaders so this banquet table can be set for lives to be changed. So I asked, and God gave me that. And it's something that I've read before. So it wasn't like the first time I've read it, but it was just something in a specific moment when I needed God to answer me, he gave me Ephesians 4. And I read it so differently because I'm in a different place than I am than I've ever been. God, you need to, or or he told me, Alex, you you need to equip those within the church, set the table. And so I, I wrote that down on my notes and I'm keeping that before me so I can remember. So as God speaks to you, as God gives you a verse, Write it down. Some of the things that that he also told me is this, this, this idea of helping people find peace in the chaos, which I talked about last week, and today hope in the dark and joy in the brokenness. And these are things like themes that I'd want people to experience this year at Ridgeview. Peace in the chaos, joy in the brokenness, and hope in the dark. And so I wrote that down. How do I equip people within this church so people can experience that? So as we ask God to speak to us, open the Bible and see what he does. And then as he speaks to you, write it down. It could be on your phone. It could be on a journal. It could be on a note page. But write it down somewhere where you will not forget it. I've maybe made some of the greatest notes of God's insights to me, and then I've left it in like my back pocket of a pair of jeans that got washed. Just kidding. You know, sometimes I can remember it. But think through, where can you put it in a place that you can go back? And so Habakkuk gave his concerns, and then he listened. And then as he listened, he decided, I'm going to write this vision. And the third thing that Habakkuk models, beyond just the listening and beyond the writing, and this is the hard part, Habakkuk modeled the waiting. And that's... Verse three. It says, "For still the vision awaits its appointed time; it hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay." And so Habakkuk was—he was desperate. We're a people. We're about to be crushed. We're about to be mocked for all the nations of the world. We're your people, God. We were once prosperous, we were blessed, and it's been taken. And we're going to have judgment upon us, but God, save us. Do not wipe us out. Save me. Do not wipe me out. And he was desperate. He listened, and he wrote down, and in the end, he still had to wait. And so you may be here. And there's all sorts of things that you're waiting on God to do. And you've maybe have been waiting for years. And I have no idea what those are for you. But I do know that in the waiting, there's a lot of pain. And in the waiting, there's confusion. In the waiting, there's discouragement. None of us want to wait. We want answers. Habakkuk 2.3 says this in the Living Bible. It's a little bit more of a, a paraphrase, but check this out. But these things, I plan what happened right away. So this is God. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. Now, I want to highlight this. They will not be overdue a single day. That's actually a description of the word of the previous verse. If you put the previous verse up there in the, the ESV, you see where it says the vision awaits its appointed time? The original language here means this, this word called moade moade Doesn't that sound like a special drink you get with extra ice? Give me some moed. But the moade actually means this appointed time. It means the perfect, unstoppable timing of God. There's something that God will do, and it will happen exactly when he wants it to happen. It's an unstoppable time that will come. He will do what he wants at the exact moment he wants to do it. Now, the hard thing with waiting is, you come to discover that that's not when you thought it would be. Oftentimes it's later. Very rarely do we say, God, well, thank God, I was quick. You could have waited a little bit. I wasn't ready for that. Hold on, just wait. Wait a second. No, normally it's God, where are you? I need this right now. But God's help and vision and perspective. And what he will do, ultimately, is right when it needs to happen. It's at the Moed, this unstoppable, perfect timing of God. And then Habakkuk goes forward and we're reminded in the waiting and in the listening that the way forward is through faith. There's never a moment when we wait on God that we don't wait in faith. That's the way forward. It's always in faith. And this is what Habakkuk 2 4 says. Behold, and this is talking about the Babylonians, the very people that God says they're gonna, they're gonna be part of the judgment on you, this wicked people. But he describes them like this. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. This is what God's saying. God, God is saying, like, don't you worry. I'll take care of them. I know who they are. I know they don't regard me. I know they don't follow me. I know they're coming against you. So in the waiting, God reminds I'm still in charge here. Nothing is overlooked. Nothing is missed. Nothing is forgotten. I do not sleep. I do not slumber. Nobody outsmarts me or outmaneuvers me. I am the Lord, the living God. I know that they are puffed up and have no regard. But notice what he says. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Through the weeds of the waiting and the despair and the wondering, the way of righteousness, the way of rightness where life comes together and the wholeness is experienced again, it happens in faith. And this faith here is this description of I know That in my waiting, God will come through. And the way that he will come through is in the exact way he needs to come through. And when he comes through is the exact way in which it needs to happen. The timing and the method and the means is what God wants. And that's the way through faith. Uh, A pastor was describing this, and he had these two phrases which I thought were helpful. The next screen there. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. Hold on, go back there. I just, just, I just want to settle. Let's say that together. One, two, three. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. I just needed us to say that because we kind of like, yeah, we can. (laughs) I try to do that all the time, but that this is the truth. If it's not God's time, you. You can't force it. Actually, you can force it, and you think you have problems now? Force God's hand. Go ahead of him. Go against him. It's going to unravel faster than you could think. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. The next thing is this. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. Now, we want this. I'm not stopping you, God. You come through. And God says, I will, but it's not my time yet. Right? The second one, we're like, yeah, we're for that. But when it's not his time, we wait in faith, knowing that when it is his time, he's going to do exactly what he wants to do. Here's another thing I've learned. This might be a help to you. God's delays are not God's denials. There may be an answer that you want. There may be something that you need to happen, and it's not happened. And you think, why has God forgotten me? You may have a kid that's left home, and they're wayward, and you may be thinking, God, you, you're never going to bring them back. You may have this health concern that you've had for years, and you think, God, you're never going to make me better. Maybe in this financial pit from the decisions that you've made or people that have done to you, and you feel like, God, I'm never going to get out of it. And we run these what-if scenarios. But his delays are not necessarily denials. Do you know when it's in a denial? When he tells you. Unless he tells you, you wait. And if he tells you, he will guide you through his word, and you write it down, and that will be the promise. Even if it's not what you want, you know that God has spoken. And he will come through, and he will make that good, even if you don't see the way forward. So sometimes the delays, they're they're not denials. So Habakkuk, he's disturbed, he's confused, he's upset, he's angry, he felt betrayed, he questioned, he doubted, and he's trying to hang on. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like there's this distance between you and God, and you're really wrestling, and you're questioning if he's good. And you're questioning if he's there. Habakkuk questioned all these things. But he said, I'm going to listen. I'm going to put myself in a position, free of distraction, to hear from you. And so I encourage you, if you're in the waiting, position yourself this week to hear from God. What that means is maybe wake up 30 minutes before you normally do, and you pray and ask God, I need an answer here, and I don't know what to do. Will you speak to me and and read the Bible for yourself? Just wake up 30 minutes before. The way you listen is you have to put yourself in a position like like Huckaback did on the the watch post. He came to the tower. For us, it's just, we need to get up earlier and, and listen. Or you go to bed later, and you ask God to show you. And Then maybe this week, as you're, you're reading and you're listening to God, you begin to write it down. And the way you write is just put the date and just something that sticks out to you from the scripture. Is this a promise that I can cling to? Is is there a sin that God tells me I've done that I need to avoid? Is there something that I need to confess? Is there this promise that I need to claim that this is true? This is what God wants me to hold on to. And you write that down. And the last, just like Habakkuk, in the middle of it, You wait for God to come through. And you wait in faith, knowing that at the appointed time, he will do what he wants. And this is where Habakkuk settled, Habakkuk 2.20. These three words, but the Lord, he is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. This is this recognition that God is who he says. He's greater than I am. His insight, his resources, his faithfulness, his love, his goodness are beyond my comprehension. And Habakkuk settles here. He is in his holy temple. He is God. And I'm going to let him be God. And I'm going to present my concerns to him, knowing he's God. And I'm going to wait for him to answer me. He is in his holy temple. This is what it means to me personally. The next thing. I don't see what I want to see, but because of the faithfulness of God, I will choose to walk by faith. The faithfulness of God, he is who he says he is. And you may be right there trying to figure out, is he faithful? Well, it begins by talking to him and then listening and writing, and he proves himself faithful. There may be one thing. What's the one thing that you're waiting on in your life? You might want to jot that down. What's the one thing that you're, you're wanting to see God come through? And these are just some things to think through. What, what is it that you're waiting on God to show you? And pinpoint that. Write that down. And ask God over the next month to show you, to give you an answer. But it begins by presenting it and then listening. See what God does. Could you imagine our church, if we all, out of respect for God, came to him and said, God, we we need you to come through in my life. I need you to come through in the lives of these people. We need you to come through in the life of our church. And we wait on God, and and he answers us. Could you imagine the difference that it would make if we know we present to God? He hears us, and he instructs instructs us. Could you imagine the type of people that we wait way longer than we want to, But our our faith is built, and so we have the steadiness to us because we know God has not forsaken us. Imagine the type of people that can hope like that, that can trust God like that. How will they treat people in a way out of love because they know God will come through? So there's some of you, you just need to pinpoint what it is that you need. And then for others, I'm gonna flip the script on you. For some of you, God is waiting on you You've been asking and asking and asking, God, help me come through. And he's saying, I'm waiting on you. You need to decide to follow me. You want answers, but you may not be willing to follow him. These are promises to God's people. If you want God to answer you, you have to decide that you're going to do what he says. His words are precious. They guide us forward. And so for some of you, it's time for you to decide to follow him for the first time. And if you've never decided to follow Jesus, you can decide that today. He's he's waiting to have a relationship with you. He's actually waiting to lead you, to guide you forward. So on the back of your connection card, there's a part on the, the right side where it says, send me info or contact me about following Jesus if you've never done that God's waiting for you to decide to follow him and he's going to unfold this new life and this new way as you decide to do that so for some of you pinpoint what it is you need for God to answer and write that down and seek him and for those of you that have not yet decided to follow him he's waiting on you he's ready to lead you let's pray as we ask God to lead us forward. Father, thank you for the help that you give. And as we do open up your word, we know that it speaks to us. It cuts through the noise and you guide us and you lead us forward. I pray for anyone here who's waiting and desperate for answers. God, I pray that they will come to you And not seek answers anywhere else except through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that they'll not seek answers anywhere else except through your word, which you've given us in the scriptures. God, I pray that as people seek you, the word will come alive. It will illuminate, it will light their path, it will clear up some confusion, and they can take their first step of faith to following you. I pray for anyone here who's not yet decided to follow you, you're waiting on them to respond. You're waiting on them to surrender all of their ways to you. So I pray if, if there's somebody here that wants to do that today, they'll decide to take that step. God, we draw near to you. We know that it is from the nearness where clarity comes. So if there's anything that's just in our way, I pray against that in the name of Jesus. If there's anything that's causing us to cower back in fear, God, call us forward. In faith and in courage, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.